Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Papan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions and the host of this show. Vicki Abeles is a filmmaker, author, and change agent. Collectively, her films have inspired numerous communities to overhaul school policies and practices that encumber health and meaningful learning. She leads a nonprofit that supports communities in these efforts, which in 2018 will become the Fearless Project. And of course, that's this year. A former Wall Street attorney, Vicki turned filmmaker when she noticed that children across the U.S. were struggling with a silent epidemic of school stress. A two-year investigation into America's education system grew into the award-winning documentary Race to Nowhere, which uncovers ways our obsessive achievement culture undercuts children's health, growth, and learning. Using a cutting-edge distribution model that has showcased the film in thousands of community-sponsored screenings, Vicki has brought the film to millions of viewers, igniting a grassroots movement bent on restoring student well-being, transforming education, and redefining success. And Carol, I know you are a big fan of Vicki's work. Yes, it's exemplary, and I sincerely thank you for joining us, Vicki. Thanks so much, Carol. I'm really glad to be here this morning and appreciate the invitation. And, of course, I'm really inspired as well by the work that you're doing to support filmmakers. I think it's incredibly important. Oh, how kind of you. Thank you. Well, you have just jumped into this industry and made a big splash, and we're all so proud of the work you're doing. But So I have to start with... Uh, the fact that you were a Wall Street lawyer, and that must have been a very lucrative job, who decided to become a filmmaker, which is an iffy job. You know, it's are we going to get paid or not? Most of the time it's are not. But I would really love to know, and so would the filmmakers, what caused you to make this radical change? Well, so first I want to say I feel really fortunate that I was able to make this um, career change kind of late in life. And, um, and I suppose it started with my own family. And so I have three children, and as uh, my daughters were in middle school in fifth and seventh grade and my son was in third grade, um, I started to see uh, my kids become increasingly anxious and stressed around their schoolwork. Um, and in particular, one of my daughters was really struggling, um, staying up way too late doing homework and preparing for tests. And uh, at age 12, she was diagnosed with an illness um, caused by stress. In addition to that, Carol, there were a number of other um, wake-up calls in my community, including a 13-year-old girl's suicide, um, which her family believes was brought on by academic stress and specifically by the failure of um, an algebra test in eighth grade. And so my life was completely changed by all of this, and I was determined to get a better understanding on why this was happening and to try to do something to change it. And for me, film seemed like uh, the best medium to reach a wide audience and to spark uh, change nationally. Oh, that's brilliant. This was really a from-the-heart move, and it affected you and your family. This is great. So did you have some help to uh, learn how to make this change in your career? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I I had help from the beginning, and I continue to have help. Um, when I first got started, I had no idea how to produce a film. Um, and what I had to do was really uh, – I had a big drive at the time, though, to give students a voice by making this film. And I also had the confidence that I could build and organize a team to help create the film. 
ultimately, Carol, uh, I was driven by a mission, and that mission being um, to awaken people to the effects of our pressure cooker academic culture and the way that culture has overtaken schools in so many communities and the impact it was having on our children's health and on their preparation for the future. And so I think in many ways that mission helped me um, learn what I needed to learn in order to um, produce the film. As as far as help goes, um, the constant in the development of me as a filmmaker has been the supportive community of independent filmmakers, um, both in the Bay Area and beyond. Um, At the very beginning, uh, a friend and fellow attorney actually introduced me to a friend of hers who had been a producer at Pixar, and I got started by reading a couple of books that she recommended. And then um, as I started to work on a short proof of concept of the film, I connected with a um, recent graduate of USC's film school who happened to be a teacher at my kid's Sunday school. I was introduced by another friend to the creative director at KRON here in the Bay Area, Um, and he ended up doing a lot of the editing of the um, short promotional trailer that I created. Uh, Another friend introduced me to a local composer, and uh, and then I was also, uh, I reached out to uh, Janice Plotkin, who was a programmer at the Mill Valley Film Festival, whose father was the rabbi in my community when I was a young child. So together with a small group of professionals in the independent film world, we were able to produce an 18-minute film um, that played for the first time at the Dolby Theater in San Francisco. And um, the response to the film um, was so moving that that gave me the inspiration to keep going. But I'm constantly learning and just incredibly grateful for being part of such a supportive community of professionals. Well, this is the secret. You built a team, and uh, that's what it really takes. This is a a team work, and you certainly found the right team for you. It's all there for filmmakers. They just have to have the confidence to know and, and to create that team and attract the right people. And obviously, when you got started on this path, this was meant to be. I guess you must have felt all along that the universe was fully behind you in this project. That's so funny that you say that, Carol. It's really interesting. The person that I mentioned, um, my attorney colleague friend, uh, introducing me to Julie McDonald, uh, we had our first meeting over in Berkeley more than a decade ago. And in that meeting, she just said, you're going to make this film. Like, you know, (laughs) all signs point to that. And Uh I really think that gave me the confidence um, to go out and, bring together a team, Um, you know, and the team is always evolving, but there are so many incredibly talented uh, professionals in this industry and people who are passionate about the work that they're doing that, I mean, that's what makes this work so enjoyable. It is. It truly is. I love that part of it. So um, in your bio, it says you're a filmmaker, author, and change agent. So how would you describe change agent? So I think of a change agent as somebody who acts as a catalyst for change, someone who has a clear vision of how things could be, and Mm -hmm. is committed to working persistently to make that change a reality. And for me, uh, in my work making these films, I've seen communities change radically um, as a result of uh, bringing people together, having a shared experience, and watching a film, and then a conversation after the film. And so these communities have uh, put wellness and well-being at the center of the school experience. So I know that can happen. I know what it looks like, and um, I shape all of my work around the goal of bringing that kind of change to every school through building awareness and confidence um, and then offering resources and tools uh, to support schools in their process of change. And then ultimately, um, I think so much of this comes down to connecting people um, through our films and through our advocacy work. Connecting people is exactly right. What I And I also believe that getting your film, like Race to Nowhere, which is such a brilliant film, seen by the right people is the most important part of the filmmaking process. And this is where many filmmakers feel unequipped or uh, unable to get it in the right place. And this takes a lot of time and and forethought. So I really wanted uh, to get into your uh, successful distribution model for Race to Nowhere. 
Yeah, so Carol, you're so right. I think that filmmakers need to dedicate as much time to getting their films out to the intended audience as they do in producing the film. Um, And uh, so for me, when we thought about how to distribute the film, we really wanted to enable all stakeholders within school communities, anyone who cares for kids and, frankly, the future of our country, to be able to see it, whether it was students, parents, educators, policymakers. And we wanted them to see it together as a shared experience. So even when the film was in production, we started partnering with school communities to host rough cut screenings of the film. And then in the days following our premiere at the Mill Valley Film Festival, we were contacted by hundreds of parents and educators and students from across the country who wanted to share the film in their community. And immediately following the festival, we started to um, support communities that were interested in screening the film. I personally attended dozens of those screenings um, in about nine different states one spring and came away with the conclusion that this was the most powerful way to reach our audience and ultimately to inspire awareness, uh, raise awareness and to inspire conversation and action. And so that's why we developed the distribution model that we did where we are distributing directly to schools, but um, but also screening for um, community organizations and nonprofits and corporations. Uh, and it's been an incredibly successful and empowering model. Um, and we've been able to reach millions of people this way. And, and while we've screened in thousands of locations, I still think we've just scratched the surface with all of our films. And so our goal currently is to reach every school in this country. Um, I think this is one of the most important issues of our time and uh, continue to be passionate about getting the films and the conversation uh, started. Exactly. Well, it, when I saw this film, you know, I was at home alone watching it, and I kept saying, oh, my God, I, I, my family was involved in this, my granddaughter is a, a, a dancer, singer, actress, and she always made good grades in uh, the first six years of her life. She was in a special school. And, and then we just, the whole family put a lot of stress on her to achieve. To, and so she had to actually audition to get into, to uh, I guess you would call it the junior school and then into high school and into college. She had to audition all three places. Um, but she gave me clues, and I didn't pick them up. And when I saw your film and saw the children that you interviewed, because it is so well-made and heart-wrenching to see these children going through this, one night I was staying with her family, and I got up in the middle of the night, and she was still up working on her homework. And I said, how can you get up in the morning and go to school if you stay up this late? And she looked at me and said, I can't. Like, she threw the ball at me and I just dropped it. And and there were several times when she talked to me and said, you know, school is really, really hard. And she left it for me to figure it out. And I didn't do that. I didn't put the time in. So I called her and apologized when I saw your film. I realized that we had put her under such undue stress. And, you know, she was taking physics in high school, and she had to have a tutor. And and I kept saying, what does she need physics for? She's an actress, dancer, singer, you know. Can't she get along without it? <laughs> no, no, she has to have it. Oh, my gosh. So this film shows how... No Child Left Behind has become a monster uh, for students. Maybe the U.S. has a better record now of test scores, and that may bring foreign students to our country and increase that type of income for the United States, but it certainly isn't the right way to treat our children. That's right. So and, thank you. and the reality is, like, the test scores really haven't improved. Um, you know, and this, uh, there are oh a lot gosh. of factors that came together to create the race to know her, if you will. And, um, and like you, I think so many parents uh, feel they have no choice but to support their kids getting through the system. And, and our message is, you know, that 
to me, we have a public health crisis on a scale that has yet to be fully recognized. And not only are kids paying the price today, but they stand to pay the price in the future in terms of the long-term impact on their health and well-being. And there is a better way that will actually leave our kids healthier and better prepared to contribute um, to, to our society. And, and have you brought that out? And are you working on that with your, with the change agent concept? Absolutely. Well, and as you know, um, there's a follow-up film to Race to Nowhere, uh, and that film is Beyond Measure. And um, we made Beyond Measure, really, as a result of Race to Nowhere screenings. Almost every screening ended with the same question, if our current system isn't working, what is? And how mm-hmm. can we make change? And so we saw a void in today's uh, narrative around education. I think there are too many media stories, including documentaries, um, that have focused narrowly on the education crisis, you know, whether it's a focus on test scores being stagnant or falling behind our international peers, um, and they've laid blame or prescribed solutions at the policy level. And with Beyond Measure, we wanted to challenge the assumption that solving our education problems lies mainly in the hands of policymakers, and there's little the rest of us can do to fix it. And and what we found truly was a revolution brewing in public schools at the local level. And so uh, that film features schools that are innovating from the inside out, um, subverting our high-stakes culture and um, putting forth a much richer uh, more engaging and purposeful vision of education, and so um, so that's been an important you know follow up to Race to Nowhere, uh, and we're seeing school communities that are screening both films and then um, also using our book as a roadmap forward um, in their community for creating change. So there are lots of places uh, where change is happening. And yet uh, the pace of changes is uh, frustrating and slow. And so uh, so we continue um, to support communities and connect communities with each other in order to drive change. Well, when you show Race to Nowhere, do you also show Beyond Measure? Well, it all depends on the school community. That's really up to the, per- uh, the community that we're partnering with. But uh-huh. We certainly encourage... Um, everyone to use both films. I mean, both it's really films, important right. in, in screening our films that you partner with someone who shares uh, our passion and enthusiasm about the films and the messages and is committed to doing um, local outreach. But it, we really leave it up to the school community as far as which of the resources um, that we make available um, make the most sense for their community. Well, I'm, I really want to compliment you on the interviews because you elicited many honest statements. I mean, these people were sincere. There's like the math teacher who said, I can't teach this course in one term. I just barrel through, he said. I barrel through the material and I take the class with me. And I thought, well, that's no fun. I mean, I love math and what a terrible way to have to teach. And and take the students with me. You know, it's it's as if he's dragging them through this instead of leading them through this and and interchanging ideas and teaching. He wasn't teaching. He was presenting is the way I took it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I think, um, you know, one of the skills in filmmaking that I feel is so important is being able to develop and maintain trusting and collaborative relationships over the duration of the production of a film, and um, I feel so fortunate to um, have made so many uh, connections with educators as well as with students and families who, oh, who you did a great had job. the courage. Yeah, and they had the courage, and they were also um, quite trusting to share their stories with us, particularly with Race to Nowhere um, where, you know, this was my first time film. And so I, I was surprised at um, how courageous people were and um, and honest and, um, and willing to share uh, really personal stories. Oh, yes, it was great. Well, I really want to get more into details about uh, this community screenings to help filmmakers understand that how to do it. So what did you find was the best way to find the communities to set up the screenings? Oh, so that's, um, that's 
a really great question. Um, I'll say that we connect with um, people in all kinds of ways. Um, in the beginning with Race to Knower, it was a lot of word-of-mouth interest that came in through our website. Um, and we also do a lot of proactive outreach where we reach out to networks of school administrators, parents, students, um, college professors professionals. And over time for us, our database of connections and supporters has grown. And um, we touch base regularly with, uh, with our network, both uh, through phone calls, uh, conference calls, webinars, newsletters, uh, blog posts, and, uh, and on social media. And our focus from the beginning, um, from production as well as through distribution, has always been on relationship building. And, uh, and in our screenings, we, we seek to partner with screening hosts who ultimately become ambassadors for the film and its message and, uh, and ultimately for the movement to reclaim healthy childhood in our schools. And, uh, and we're continuing to increase these efforts in, uh, going forward, and we're now looking at ways to facilitate more connections between schools across the country. Uh, because we think that is also a way to foster um, change and innovation is when schools partner with others, and particularly when a school is looking to create change and interested in uh, partnering with a school that's perhaps a little further along on the trajectory of change, that's a really successful uh, model. But back to your question about the screenings. I, let me know if uh, I answered that for you. Well. Um, did you well? I, from what I'm hearing, um, it's as if you set up a team to work on the community screenings, right? You had some people Absolutely. working so on it in the beginning. Uh, as Race to Norris released, uh, it was really just me and an intern who had recently graduated from college working to get the film out widely. And we, the two of us started with Back to School campaign in 2010 and partnered with 500 school communities on four nights um, in the fall of 2010. And that was so well received um, and also uh, picked up by a reporter at the New York Times. And that um, was, was definitely very helpful at the time in terms of raising awareness about the film and the movement that it was sparking. Um, currently, we have an outreach manager who um, connects with schools and community organizations and nonprofits and does all the work in terms of the initial relationship building and then supporting the setup of screenings and events and sharing our resources um, and generally acting as kind of a supportive presence for people who are looking to use our films as a way to um, spark conversation and change in their communities. So we, we do have a team. It's a small team, uh, but mm -hmm. we're a really passionate um, and hardworking team. <laughs> yeah, that's what it takes. Absolutely. When you say documentary, you have to say hardworking and passionate. They all go together. That's right. Um, okay, good. So, um, yes, it's that. It's finding the people who... Uh, appreciate and want to be part of this project and the, and this change that is sorely needed. Um, yes, that was very good information. Now, could you can you give us an idea of what you were charging for the community screenings? Sure, sure. And there are lots of other filmmakers at this point who are doing community screenings. You know, mm -hmm. um, in, in the last decade, I think that has grown quite a bit, and I think there's a number of factors. They go into the license fees, including the type of screening and the audience size. Um, and we always, so, and I would just say the range, the typical range in the industry seems to be somewhere between three and $600. You know, surely if you're screening, you know, for a large corporation, those fees may go up. If you're at a large event, those fees may be higher. Um, one of the unique things that we do is that we always offer communities the opportunity to host a screening at no cost. Um, and in that case, we sell tickets to their event and donate half of the proceeds back to their school. And this has become actually a really great way for schools to raise funds for their community. Oh, that's brilliant. What a great idea. Uh, what, $10? How, can you give me an idea of what yeah, you charge? So we, we, we suggest. 
uh, $10 online, and we set up the ticketing site for the community that's screening, and $15 at the door, you know, to encourage people to sign up in advance. And, and I'll tell you the other, you know, upside of uh, selling tickets to screenings is that when people pay to attend a screening, they place value on it, and they show up. Um, and oh, so we yes. see much better attendance at screenings where tickets are sold than where it's uh, free registration. Absolutely. It, of course, <laughs> that really right. works. Um, and then, so you screen the film, and then you uh, open the dialogue, and how much time do you uh, give them? And are you are, are one of your people there for the majority of these events? Oh, no. I mean, it wouldn't be possible. We've screened between both of our films. We've screened in more than 10,000 locations, oh. nationally and internationally, you know, and wow. ranging from... Wow schools to universities to movie theaters to hospitals, corporations, community centers. It runs the gamut. And so it wouldn't be possible for us to be at all of them. I will say when Race to Know was first released, I attended the first 90 screenings. Um, Mm -hmm. And that was really influential in terms of my thinking about how to structure these events. And I continue to attend events um, as often as possible because we, we learn so much by being present for the conversation that follows the film. And so, yes. you know, even while Race to North has been out for eight years, um, it continues to be an enduring touchstone for school communities that are looking to address um, the epidemic of anxious, depressed, disengaged students and who desire to create change. Um, so I'm not at every screening, but one of the things, um, a few takeaways just in terms of how other filmmakers might think about this, um, for us, it's really important to partner with somebody who's enthusiastic about the film and its message and committed to doing um, the work necessary to turn out an audience, right? So we really rely on the, the screening host uh, to invite their local community. So um, we obviously don't have those contacts. And then we aim to make screening easy for the screening host. People are incredibly busy today. And um, so we look for screening hosts to provide a venue and to support the outreach or invitations to their local community. And then we provide everything else they need um, for a successful event. So, for example, we have resources that we've developed that make it easy for them to invite their community. So every event um, that we host, we give them a customized electronic postcard that they, they can use to send an e-blast out to their community. We provide toolkits that suggest groups for them to um, reach out to, as well as a timeline for outreach. So that's just an example of some of the support we provide on the outreach side. Um, a great deal of our support, Carol, comes in real-time connections. Um, so, for example, this is something that we started, and um, and I think it's been a really effective way of both supporting screening hosts as well as um, keeping our ear to the ground around changes that are happening. So every week, screening hosts from across the country connect with me on a conference call, and I essentially train the facilitators um, about how to lead the post-film conversation. And so it's an opportunity for screening hosts to connect with other people from across the country who share their passion around these issues. And um, it's the first step in becoming part of an alliance of change makers beyond their community. Um, so that's, that's something that we do to support screening hosts. So while I can't be there, this is a great opportunity for us to deliver current messages to the people who will be screening our film and, um, and then to give them an outline for how to structure a successful conversation and then how to it's an opportunity for us to encourage them to stay engaged beyond their film screening and conversation this is brilliant it's you've just given us a template for a business model this is marvelous uh, and this is what uh, documentary filmmakers really need to understand that <clears throat> the film is only a tiny part of the film making process Absolutely. The, the big part is showing it and getting paid for it and creating change because so many of the films that come through our film grant are there to create change. Absolutely. Absolutely. This, thank you so much. And it's well, been a really important way for us, Carol, also to fund our work. And so it's what has allowed us to maintain an independent voice. So much of our work and most of our uh, film producing has been funded by these screening fees. Oh, this is marvelous. So did that help fund Beyond Measure? Yeah. I would say that 
80%, maybe even more, of Beyond Measure was funded by screening fees for from Race to Nowhere. Fantastic. Yeah, so no. that was really terrific. Oh, yes. Well, this is the way it should be. Um, so Beyond Measure, uh, for the audience, this film follows a revolution brewing at public schools across the country, offering a positive picture on what's possible in education. So uh, now are you using the same model with this film? Um, yeah, we are. We're using the same model, and um, we've screened the film in um, hundreds of locations at this point, and we're just getting started. And I'm personally really encouraged by the exciting changes and the much larger changes that have come out of screenings of Beyond Measure. And so while Race to Nowhere awakens people to the problem of academic pressure, Beyond Measure offers positive ideas for how to reimagine schools in ways that are student-centered and uh, that prioritize wellness as well as deep and creative learning. So the two films really work well in tandem, and schools Mm -hmm. have responded extremely well to Beyond Measure because in many ways that film is a blueprint for change. This is what's so important because too often documentarians get slammed for saying, okay, you did a great film, you showed us what the problem is, but you left us feeling helpless. What are we going to do? And so, of course, there you are. You're back with the second film, and the first funded the second. This is a, this is a good business model for filmmakers. I think um, so. I think yes. it is, and I think you're right that there's a lot of films, and, and it's been interesting, actually, as well, having a film that is a positive story. As I guess as human beings, our brains are hardwired uh, to focus on problems, right? And so we still see tremendous interest in Race to Nowhere. Um, and for me, while Race to Nowhere only, you know, the end of the film highlighted some solutions, to me the solution for Race to Nowhere and for many other documentary films was in bringing people together to respond to the film and then to brainstorm ideas for you know a new vision to address the issues that whatever film um, you're talking about is addressing. But it became very clear to me in attending screenings of Race to Nowhere that our audience needed more and that missing from the whole conversation about education was a picture of what's possible in our schools. Um, so you're right. It's it's a good business model for producing and distributing films, um, and importantly, I think it's been uh, a really great model for inspiring change. Uh, great, and and it's a picture of what's possible in schools. Uh, so you uh, wrote a book, a best-selling book, Beyond Measure: Rescuing an Overscheduled over-tested, underestimated generation. <laughs> it's, a so I, <laughs> it's a great title, and it's a true title. So tell us uh, why you thought the book was important. Uh, and also, being a mother, wife, filmmaker, how did you schedule the time to write it? Um yeah, so uh, that's a great question. So I'll say I decided to write a book. I, I never set out to write a book in the beginning, and um, mm-hmm. and it was really after Race to Nowhere took off in ways that I could have never anticipated that I was approached by a number of publishers and book agents about writing a book, and I had never really thought about it. But as I started to consider it, I felt the movement really needed a roadmap for action beyond what a film can provide. You know, a book is a different... Uh, vehicle for um, sharing information. It allowed us to go much deeper with the research than um, would be interesting in a film, and it surely allowed me to share many more stories than we could in either of our films. And so from the beginning with the book, the goal was to give readers a guide for enacting change, both in their homes and school communities. Um, The book picks up where Race to Nowhere leaves off. It lays out the problems we face. Um, There were some cutting-edge research that came out after Race to Nowhere um, that is the topic of one of the early chapters. And then there's clear action steps um, for solving these issues. So ultimately, the book was an opportunity to go deeper and uh, and to highlight stories of change beyond those in the films. Uh, and for me, I think uh, 
change is most effective, you know, when it starts at the grassroots level, powered by kind of a diverse alliance of people that are being impacted by um, the problem. So schools now screening our films have the option of using the book as a community read. Um, we have developed an action guide to accompany the book, and it gives everybody the tools and resources for starting on this path towards change. Uh, on a personal note, to address your question about scheduling and, um, and the many hats that I wear, I mean, it was definitely a challenge uh, to be working on the book while I was also producing uh, and working very closely with our editor on Beyond Measure and raising three kids. Um, <laughs> it, it was a lot. Um, I would say my training as a Wall Street attorney prepared me well for um, working incredibly hard and juggling a lot. Um, but just like with the films, the book was a team effort. And frankly, I couldn't have done it without my co-author, Grace Rubenstein, who did a lot of the heavy lifting and was a wonderful creative partner throughout the process. Um, there were a lot of other people involved in the book. Uh, my colleague, Caitlin Boyle, who you may know from Film Sprout, uh, edited every page of the book. Millicent Bennett, um, who is our fabulous editor at Simon & Schuster, and so many supportive people who have been who have become close friends um, as a result of the work, and um, who read early drafts and provided feedback. So just like with the films, it was a team effort, and um, and it was also one of the hardest things I've ever done professionally. I will just say that it took me much longer than producing a film, and. Um, and, but I, I'm thrilled now that it's out and making an impact in the world. Yes, I know uh, from writing several books, I know that it's not writing, it's rewriting. You, you, know, you yeah. have to write it and then you have to rewrite it and rewrite it. And Dal, you were so glad to get rid of that book. It's the opposite feeling that you have with the film. You're really happy to see the film finished, but the book, I felt like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad to give this to the editor, let him publish it, and get and walk away and breathe again. <laughs> but you know what, just, that's so interesting you say that, Carol. I completely agree. Um, and just like with the films, my experience with the book is even with a large publisher, um, that publisher really counts on us to get the book out to the world. And uh, I think in our short attention uh, culture these days, it's in many <laughs> ways people are looking for shortcuts for shorter books. Um, and it's one right. of the that I organized the book the way I did so that um, you don't have to read the whole book to um, get some benefit from reading it. So if you're a parent with a young child struggling with homework in elementary school, you can just pick it up and read the chapter about homework. Um, and similarly, there's a chapter about college admissions and about testing and about time. And so it was important to me to organize the book in a way that allowed people to read it in small chunks. Uh, as the need arose. No, that's a great idea. Well, I just wanted to hear more detail about you created an action guide to accompany the screening. So what? tell us more about that. Oh, so we have, we have many uh, toolkits and action guides. I, I would say our single best resource still um, beyond the films is the book, but there's an action guide that accompanies the book so that a school community, any community using it as a community read, um, has a structure, kind of the scaffolding in place to create a process that brings about change. And, and because our films cover so many topics, it's easy for people to become overwhelmed and to not know where to start. And so we've kind of created three buckets, um, three topic, big picture topics, if you will, that folks can, um, can organize change around. Uh, but we have facilitation guides for each of our films, facilitation and action guides, and, uh, and then we have specific action guides uh, focused on things like college admissions, focused uh, on companies that might screen our film, focused on sleep um, or testing. So we have topical resources as well as facilitation guides that are intended to support um, the person leading the conversation after the film and then action guides that uh, accompany the book. There's also in the book, Carol, an entire chapter um, that is really an action guide, and depending on the topic that a parent or an educator or a student is looking to address, there are suggested, uh, suggested actions um, in the book. So I didn't want to wow. make the book prescriptive, right? And um, you know, 
as a parent, I don't think I have all of the answers, but, um, you know, I've been in the field. I've visited hundreds of schools, and so um, I want to share what I've learned um, with a much wider community. Right. So uh, so you created one chapter that is an action guide. They can go right there. And you, you have this, uh, all these tools you have for both films. Yes, yes, we do. Great. And uh, and one of the things that um, <clears throat> I want to say about that is that um, we have a film, as you know, in development, um, and we can talk about that. But we're trying to move um, away from a model of a single screening of a film to one that provides schools and other communities, <clears throat> excuse me, the opportunity to continue to bring their community together to support schools that are fostering student health and deep learning. And so, for example, this year we will have four films um, along with a book that has the companion action guide I mentioned. Uh, We've partnered with a pediatrician and educator on a student health survey. Uh, We have lots of resources like the ones I just mentioned to allow schools the opportunity to keep their community coming back together um, and ultimately to support a process that brings about changes big and small. Um, just in the past few months, we've hosted a few webinars uh, for each of our films, inviting dozens of communities that were screening the films to come together to take part in a national conversation with experts and educators that are featured in the films. So we're really looking to create a year-long process for a school that is interested in having this conversation that keeps people coming back together because change isn't going to happen with just one film and conversation. Absolutely right. So you you're, you're hosting webinars to come together uh, to do this over a year or whatever, whatever time it takes, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And and in doing these webinars, it's not that we have all the answers or even the experts um, or cast members that are featured in these webinars, but this is also an opportunity for um, schools to create alliances with one another. And I think um, because there's so much fear that gets in the way of change, when people um, know that they're not alone and when they can partner with others who are doing similar work, um, it gives them cover, if you will, and I think uh, you see the fear subside. Oh, you want to know that that other people are doing it because you you want to do it, but you don't want to be out there all by yourself. And particularly in school education these days, they've got the working together as a unit is the powerful way. And this change then will come from the bottom up. That's right. Is that what you're intending? That's right. And we, we, you know, we also screen our film at the policy level as well. Um, So I think it takes both. I think you need change at lots of levels. Um, but our goal is to empower people at the grassroots level to create the change that they want to see. Um, they, you know, schools, school communities, when they come together, when they bring diverse stakeholders together, um, they actually have a lot of power to change the status quo. And we've yes. seen tons of changes across the country. Um, oh, which, good. Which good. shows that school change is, is actually possible. Which shows it is possible. Oh, you must be really proud of that. How wonderful. I'm excited. As I said, um, you know, it's still the pace um, can be slow for somebody like me who wants to get things done. If you see a problem and you know it doesn't take technology to solve the problem, um, (laughs) it can be frustratingly slow. But, yes, I'm really encouraged by the changes we're seeing Um, and really big changes coming out of um, the film Beyond Measure. So, for example, I was just on the East Coast and visiting a high school called Cheltenham High School in Pennsylvania uh, that screened Beyond Measure about a year and a half ago for their faculty, um, and then I attended a um, screening with the entire school community, and inspired by the film, they decided they wanted to create a school within a school with a focus on project-based learning, largely modeled after High Tech High, which is one of the schools featured in our film. Uh, the faculty engaged in a year-long process of professional development, working um, in close collaboration with High Tech High, as well as with a local uh, public school, the workshop school, and this year opened their doors with a school within a school for about 63 freshman students. So we were just there um, capturing exhibition night um, with the students and teachers, and we're going to be just cutting a short film, uh, kind of a case study of what's possible after screening um, the film. So, I mean, that's 
a huge change. Wow. And, um, you know, and when people see these new models, the school within a school, um, have success, that's where you'll see teens um, start to grow. Absolutely. This is wonderful. Uh, and you're going to create a case study and show that, and that you just keep adding more and more information. And now I want you to tell me more about the gatekeeper, Math in America, shining a light on one of the primary roots of inequality and anxiety among students. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think I can feel back into those children that you interviewed, and I saw the dilemma and the sadness around them. And the, you know, they were just—they uh, made me feel like what they were asked to do was impossible mm-hmm. and uh, unfair, and all of this. I got all of it. So now the math, which is really an important thing for everyone, well, let's hear about that film. Yeah, so uh, that film has been in production. That film is probably the longest film I've worked on in terms of years in production. We've been working on that for over four years, so almost wow. as long as the book. Um, and I'm really excited about this film. We have all the principal uh, cinematography and early post-production complete, and we're on track to finish that film uh, by the end of this year, so long as we can raise the funds necessary to finish it. Um, and for me, um, the origins of the gatekeeper are really close to my heart and connected to Race to Nowhere. So um, you may remember from the film uh, Race to Nowhere that there was the suicide of a young girl in my community, 13-year-old uh, Devin Marvin in 2008, uh, was kind of one of the first things that compelled me to make uh, Race to Nowhere. She was a straight-A student, um, a high achiever, and while Suicide is complex, and her family will never know exactly what drove her to take her life. Um, they speculated that mounting anxiety over eighth-grade algebra in a recently oh. test um, led yes. her to question her intelligence, her self-worth. And um, and so I wove Devin's story into Reese Tenor because it was a story that hit closest to home for me, um, you know, just emblematic of the way that academic pressure puts our kids' very lives at risk. And after the film's release, uh, I was contacted by Deborah Stipek, who is in Race to Know Her. She was then the dean of the Stanford School of Education. And she introduced me to Joe Bowler, um, who had seen Race to Know Her and wanted to reach out um, because her view is that uh, math is really the worst offender among the school subjects when it comes to stress. Yeah, and, um, and her call and ultimately our meeting um, set me on a path to learn more about math education. And uh, I learned early on that we're in the midst of a crisis when it comes to how we teach math in the classroom. Um, there's lots of data pointing to this um, crisis. And at the same time, as with the film Beyond Measure, um, Joe Bowler, along with several other players, are um, instrumental thought leaders in a global, global movement um, among educators to re-envision math, creating a more engaging, effective, and equitable methods for teaching it. And so I'm really excited about this film, um, and, uh, and we've already had tremendous interest um, in the film. People are already reaching out to us about screening that film. So and and have, have, you, have you done some test screenings with it? Um, we have not yet. I would say our next cut will be ready for a rough cut screening. We, we've definitely shared the last two cuts with um, some key stakeholders to get feedback. Mm-hmm. And we're hearing incredibly um, positive reviews. And so right now we're, we're really close to completing the edit. Um, we're just we're fine-tuning at this point. Um, and anybody who's interested in learning more about the film, um, can visit our website for Beyond Measure, which is www.beyondmeasurefilm.com. And uh, at the top of the navigation, you'll see a link to a gatekeeper, and there's a trailer on the website, um, as, along with some information about the film and the stories that are featured in the film. And we're hoping to uh, launch a um, crowd, crowdfunding campaign for that film as well in the coming months. Oh, what fun that will be. Well, yes. 
And have you chosen which uh, site, Kickstarter or Indiegogo, or you're still thinking? No, and Carol, honestly, it comes down to, so for us, um, you know, it would be great to be able to raise some more funds to complete the film. And then, as you know, it's also these Kickstarter Indiegogo campaigns are really important ways to start to build awareness of a film. And um, so for us right now, it's just about um, the bandwidth to take on one of those campaigns to cut a trailer and, um, you know, create the content that's needed. But uh, we're working on that. If, you know, if our editor were to do that, then that pulls her away from uh, editing the film. So we're grappling with that right now. I'd love your thoughts. (laughs) Well, the point is you've done the hard work already. You have a massive database of people and communities that uh, share the passion for change in this area. So using all of those and contacting them, I would say that you want to plan three to four months at least in advance to get ready for this and and strategically plan it because when you start the campaign, you're busy 24 hours a day talking right. to people uh, uh, on your Facebook page and your website. and So you're too busy then to really make any plans. Make the plans first, just like writing a book, and, yeah. and plan out exactly what you want to do first, second, third, who you need to reach and how you want to reach them. And you're you're all set with gifts because of you have screenings, you have a book, you have a book, you have your films, uh, you have so many things uh, that you can give to people, and then consultations and advice in personal interviews with you for a very nice fee could be in there. So I'm open. You Thank can you. contact me at any time. Okay. I love this Great. part of it. That's terrific. I appreciate But you could that. do quite well. And the most important thing that you will do is you will fill in the cracks. People that don't know about it and should know about it will will find out. Because once you get on there and you start offering prizes or gifts to people who forward the emails the most, then you really start expanding your database and you bring in people that you've never heard of before. So you're information will just take off around the country and the world, right. really. That's, uh, right. that's very true. You can really expand this. So picking picking the time to launch it and all that is also part of it, just like uh, your book or your film. That's right. So this is a, a project, and it can bring you very good money, I think. That's great. No, that's great to hear. And, and yes, um, when we did our Kickstarter for Beyond Measure, um, we actually we did everything soup to nuts internally. Um, we had a fabulous member on our team who handled everything from shooting the trailer, editing it, to putting up the content and, uh, and the gifts that were associated with contributions. Um, and it was terrific. And, you know, it's very aligned with our model of um, grassroots Uh, support for our films and our work. Well, this is really important. If you've had one, those people should be really proud of the fact they supported you, and they will come back and support you again. This is important. And what is so interesting is that, see, in this group of of Kickstarter donors from before, you never know uh, the financial situation of these people. They're simply emails and wonderful, warm people at this time. But I have found that that they can really fund your film. I had a woman that I was working with, and she told me that um, in her Kickstarter group that she had sent an email to someone, and and he said, oh, I'm really interested in helping you with this film. And so she responded and followed up, and she didn't hear back. And she said, I guess he's not interested. I said, don't be silly. Go back again, you know, and tell him. uh, Say, I know you're really busy, but here I am again, and et cetera. And she really, she got over 100000 from that man. And uh, another woman had a Kickstarter list, and 
she said, you know, I'm so worried about sending out my email update because I haven't, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I'm behind in the schedule, I told them. So I said, let's go in with Arson Wells and say I spend 95% of my time raising money and ten and five percent making the film and so forgive me i'm this is where i am and i don't think i'm going to be able to make it you know on the date i said and a guy called her and said what do you need Hmm. and she said 130,000 he said i'll write you a check so never underestimate the power of those donors absolutely absolutely and ask in for fact, what you even want. Even before launching a campaign, I had intended to reach out to those donors. And, and in fact, uh, one of the donors from the Beyond Measure Kickstarter campaign who contributed quite a bit to that um, has just recently contributed to uh, the gatekeeper. So you're absolutely right. That's consistent with our experience. And, uh, yeah, it comes down to relationship building with people who share their passion for our cause and, and also to not being afraid to ask. No, yes, that's right. You have to be really bold. You have to take that same courage you had when you made that crossover and change in your career. Uh, because Absolutely. what you're doing is so needed, and when you make that ask, you're asking for thousands of us. We want to see this change, and you're spearheading this. You're the one we're going to look to to ask us. Yeah, I so appreciate that perspective. And and fundraising is actually a piece of this work that I really enjoy, which I realize is unusual. Uh, yes. And it, it just comes down to time. I mean, at the end of the day, and that's actually a big message connected to our work on behalf of kids and educators as well, is uh, time is the talent and just figuring out where to um, – what to prioritize in producing films, getting them out to the world, um, fundraising, running a nonprofit, you know, going out and speaking at events and so forth. And so uh, that's the time, I think, is the other resource that is um, often, you know, a talent when doing yes, what you're so passionate about. Choosing the time to put into the various areas. So you've done quite well. With your success, would say to all of us that you've been very good at choosing where to put your time. Oh, I appreciate that. Well, we're so proud of the work you've done, all of us. Um, anybody that sees that film has got to know what a great job you did. I love the way you opened it with your family and the voiceover telling me the problem and getting to meet you and your family and then following the story along through all of the heartfelt interviews. It was really well done. Thank you. Thank you, Carol. I so appreciate all of your kind words and your support. Well, you have given us so much good information today that I know the filmmakers will really appreciate this. And we just wish you lots and lots of luck. And I hope you'll come back maybe in seven or eight months and we can hear the success of The Gatekeeper. I would love that. I would absolutely welcome that. Thanks so much, Carol. Yeah, it's just an honor to get to know you. Thank you. Claire, I really appreciate your work in putting the show together, and we look forward to your release of The Gatekeeper. And Oh, let's have that website again for anyone who didn't get it before. Oh, sure. So anybody that wants to contact us uh, can go to beyondmeasurefilm.com, and from there you can link off to each of our films. Uh, there's also contact information on how to reach us by both phone and email, and we really welcome real-time connections with folks. Um, And then also we'll be launching a new website this year for the movement, so keep an eye out for that as well. Wonderful. Okay. (laughs) Go get them is all I can say to you. You're just out there moving forward. Thank you. Thanks so much, Carol. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Great work. Be well, everyone. Now, in its second edition, Carol Dean's popular book, The Art of Film Funding, has 12 new chapters to cover all areas of film financing and how to avoid expensive pitfalls. Learn how to start with an idea and end with a trailer. How to make an ask for money. Create your story structure and your trailer. Legal advice, fair use, successful crowdfunding, how to ask for music rights, 
and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com. I want to remind our listeners that David Raiklin is a brilliant and talented award-winning musician who scores films and can compose music for a trio or for a full orchestra. David is a very good friend to the independent filmmaker and comes highly recommended by From the Heart Productions. If you need music to help tell your story, please contact him at davidraiklin.com. That's David, R-A-I-K-L-E-N dot com. And Carol and I want to thank you for tuning in to The Art of Film Funding. Please visit our website at fromtheheartproductions.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Good luck with your films, everyone. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.